This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers web zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al and Brian. What's up, faithful? You're listening to another episode of the 49ers web zone, No Huddle Podcast, a part of the Odyssey Network. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. I'm Brian. He's Al. The 49ers have a second-year quarterback who's experiencing second-year quarterback growing pains, and the fan base is ready to jump off a cliff uh, after three straight losses from the 49ers. Uh, I I I texted the I texted our group chat last night and I said, "Hey, at least my prediction was right because I did predict that this would be a loss. I didn't want to be right, but I was." Uh, Al, what what are some of your uh, some of your takeaways uh, from this game? Was this one where you were yelling at your TV, or is this one where you're like, nope, I'm just going to have to drink more to get through this"? You know, it it was definitely an alarming game for me, and I mean, where do you start? It's a perfect storm of just kind of shit right now between not having yeah. Debo and Trent in the defense, just completely going in the tank, and we're going to talk about that at length and some stats that are just scary. But let's start with Brock, like you said. Because he's been playing, to say something that, that you said, like a 23-year-old quarterback. That's that's what he's been playing like. And I think in some ways, there's been an unfair amount of, I don't know, people just treat him like he's a fourth or fifth-year player, and he just should be good. And then I had people saying to me, too, well, didn't, didn't they move on from Trey Lance because they, you know, they didn't want to go through this with Lance? No, they moved on from Lance because they didn't, they didn't think he was very good. And they thought Purdy was much better. I mean, if they thought Lance had this huge ceiling and he was going to be a great quarterback, Lance would still be here. Lance would not be have been beaten out by Sam Darnold. But I don't want to get into that. They they rolled with Purdy because of how good he looked last year. They trusted what they saw, but they knew everybody knew with who's looking at this in reality that there were going to be ups and downs. Now, the reason you think you could get through those ups and downs is because you have a top, what we thought, three or four defense and yep. playmakers all around him. So the only thing Brock Purdy was supposed to have to do this year was play point guard, make some throw with big throws here and there, but mainly play point guard and don't screw it up. The past couple of games, he's been asked to do more than play point guard. They've gotten behind. They've needed him to drop back and throw. And maybe it's a case of him doing too much. I wrote down the the, the five throws that were, I guess, turnover worthy, if that's how you want to put it. But there were also some throws, Brian, he threw that were dimes. 
Some of the Absolutely. plays downfield that he threw to George Kittle, oh, my God, that throw from the end zone mm-hmm. at the end of the mm-hmm. second quarter, my God, he made some yeah. great throws. But, again, yeah. at the end, things just kind of fell apart a little bit. Yeah, you know, I thought there were some actually some really nice bright spots from Brock Purdy in his game yesterday. And, obviously, fourth-quarter turnovers are going to sink a lot of teams. I get that. Mm-hmm. And Brock has to take better care of the ball. And I would say that – there again, one of the one of the things that we love most about Brock Purdy is his decision making. It's what's between his ears. And that's what that's what allows him to overcome some of his physical limitations. But if his decision making is going to start regressing, or and or there were some poor decisions, even in that incredible run, and just some luck with those not turning into turnovers. Whatever the were. case may be, yeah, yeah. Whatever the case may be, if if there's going to be regression there, that's going to be tough to overcome for his game because again, he does not have the physical tools to really just kind of take over a game like a Josh Allen, a Lamar Jackson, a Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. Now, does that mean that that the sky is falling? Absolutely not. And what I like most about him is his unflappability and while that hasn't necessarily shown itself in the fourth quarter uh i don't i still don't i don't feel like he goes out there without the confidence that he can get these things done the decision making again is suspect at best i think we can chalk that up last game against the vikings to the to suffering a concussion i don't think you can chalk that up here the first interception that he threw that's a play where he knows what that play was supposed to be. It was a busted run play. And he no, he should know that because it's a run play, even if it's busted, by the time he goes to throw that ball, you're going to have offensive linemen downfield, which means that even if you complete that pass, it's coming back for illegal man downfield. Dirt it. Throw it away. Yeah, Do something bounds, like but... that, right? Don't think that you can make a play when whatever play you make is going to be negated anyway. Decision-making. The second one, my God, I thought he had a 10 on his back with that interception because that was a classic Jimmy Garoppolo not seeing the underneath defender and throwing it directly to him. That's one. Did you see? No excuse. Did you see Mayoko or Kurt Warner break that play down? So I guess what happened, and this isn't, I mean, Brock probably still should not have thrown that ball, but I, the, yeah. either the design was bad or somebody ran the wrong route. Because if you watch it, mm-hmm. I think it was Jennings and Ayuk. They basically ran to the same spot on the field. So you had oh, two guys yeah. coming across the middle at the same spot in the field, and the defender just kind of bunched there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what Purdy thought if he was going to go to the left, did he stay there, whatever it was. So Brock still looked like he threw it directly at him. So again, I'm not yeah. making an excuse for him. But if you watch that play, Kurt Warner put it on his timeline. Um, and Mayoko was talking about it on, on NBC Sports. He, he had just spoken yeah. about it, but Warner actually breaks it down where you could see the design of the play and the two receivers kind of bunched together. And 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 that's another thing. If if you go out there and you look at guys like Kurt Warner, you look at guys like JT O'Sullivan, you look at guys that have played the position before that have broken down Brock's game, they're largely very, very high on Brock and and mm-hmm. and how he's playing. Even his his game yesterday and the other thing that i the 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 silver lining that i want to take away from that game is his sneaky athleticism 
Brock Purdy's escapability is is very, very good. And not only that, but he's got enough juice to to scramble for 57 yards. Now, part of the problem is that their run game has been non-existent. And, yes. and that's the thing. And that's here's my biggest takeaway. I said this to you before before we started recording. My biggest takeaway, and I tweeted this out yesterday. And I appreciate that there's a, a, a large number of fans that have interacted with that and largely found, you know, haven't haven't been ready to jump off the cliff. But Brock Purdy is 23 years old. He'll be 24 in December. He still has not started a full season of games in the NFL. If you are mad at Brock Purdy, your anger is misplaced. Brock Purdy is a second year quarterback who is going to make these mistakes. He is going to. Mm-hmm. What the 49ers determined was that they believed that he would make these mistakes less often than Trey Lance would, which is why they went with Brock Purdy. Let's not mention Trey Lance's name again because that doesn't matter. That's over. But if you, again, are angry at Brock Purdy, that anger is misplaced because where that anger needs to go is to the decision makers, a.k.a. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, who put Brock Purdy in this position, decided to go with a second-year quarterback because it allowed them to continue to spend money on what is supposed to be an elite defense and elite offensive playmakers. They've done that, and those offensive playmakers, that elite defense is supposed to be able to prop him up when he goes through situations like this, inevitable situations where his play is not going to be at a high level like it was through the first five games mm-hmm. of the season. And to me, that's the real story. The real story is, A, this defense, what the hell is happening? And then the other thing that I came away with is, as much as we talked about Brandon Ayuk being the better wide receiver than Debo Samuel, and I still stand by that. It is really evident now how important Debo Samuel is, not only to this offense, but to Kyle Shanahan as a play caller. You can see Kyle Shanahan misses Debo because there's so much that he can do to get his offense back in rhythm simply by getting the ball in Debo's hands, and he's missing that. Yeah. So all of that, all of that leads to anger at Brock Purdy. And like I said, it's just misplaced. He's a second-year quarterback. This is going to happen. Mm-hmm. The growing pains are going to happen. The problem is you had Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch say, we got rid of Trey Lance because this is a win-now team and we cannot, we cannot, uh, what, did it, what was it? We Essentially, we, we can't be going through growing pains with a a quarterback who is still learning because this team is ready to win now. And it's Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch who said Brock Purdy is the real deal. Is, is being the key word there, right? Declarative. They said he's the real deal. Now when he struggles, the fans go, wait a second. You told Mm -hmm. me he was the real deal. He shouldn't be doing these things. And I'm like, wait a second. I understand what they said, but take a step back and go, this is still a second-year quarterback. Who was right. taken with the last pick in the draft for a reason? Has he exceeded those those expectations? A hundred percent. Did a lot of people miss on him? Probably. But is he a top 10 
quarterback right now? No. Did he play like that through the first five games? A hundred. Absolutely. Yeah. And we had that conversation. We said, we're not willing to place him in the top 15 overall, but just in the context of the 2023 NFL season, he was playing at that level. He's not playing at that level right now. So the defense and other areas of the team are going to have to step up. Otherwise, they're going to continue to lose those games. Yeah, and you mentioned Debo, and, and his statistics didn't necessarily show it the last year plus, but just his presence on the field. Just maybe if, if you look at his stat line and he has two catches for 47 yards, but one of those was a 35-yard screen play when they were backed up and he took mm -hmm. the ball and got the Niners in a good spot. They, they missed that. They missed the threat of him. And yeah. you mentioned the running game. Oh where they miss Trent Williams a lot. I mean, they miss Trent Williams in a lot of other ways because this offensive line looks very ordinary at best right now without him. And now Aaron Banks is going to be out for a few weeks on top of it. So yeah. who knows? They need, they need to get Trent Williams back. But without Trent Williams in week seven and eight, uh, running to the left side, the Niners had 14 carries for 28 yards in zero explosive plays. With Trent Williams in weeks one through five, 60 carries, 309 yards. 5.2 yards per carry, eight explosive plays, and our buddy Akash put up that stat. And the running game has been non-existent, non-existent. Mm -hmm. McCaffrey's mm -hmm. first four games, 80 carries, 459 yards, 5.73 yards per rush. Last four, 57 carries, 193 yards, 3.38 yards per rush. Do you know how many yards Eli Mitchell has in the last three games, Brian? Just take a guess. Take a guess. Negative four. Oh, you're you're close. I thought you were going to go to the positive side of things, like one or two. He's got six carries for negative two yards in the last. Damn, game. I was close. <laughs> and that is what we're going with with Eli Mitchell too. Um, this team is getting. I have to find the stat, but they had I think on seventeen yards before contact. I think in this game, the running backs. So they're just getting hit. Offensive line is not doing the job. Mm -hmm. The Niners are getting in a lot of third and longs. The Niners are making a lot of mistakes to drop passes. Brandon Ayuk dropped a pass in this game that would have uh, given them the it ball on the, him in the face mask. Since he 40 and maybe you get a shot for a field goal. I mean, Purdy was four or yeah. five of throws 20 plus in this game. 20 Another yards plus with the, Another the lone incompletion being to, to Ayuk. Um, you had a holding call on Juwan Jennings that I thought was unnecessary. Uh, on a on a screen to McCaffrey that pushed them back, and they, they ended up getting three on that, but maybe they get seven. Just a lot of things that they're doing to to just shoot themselves in the foot. And Purdy is guilty of it, but they're doing it all over the field. The running game right now, that's that's the scary part to me because the team's built on defense, the team's built on running the ball, and you're seeing with this the team as a whole in general. Shanahan's what zero for thirty nine now, being down in the fourth quarter, so many points, whatever eight it is. Plus points. I think it's eight, eight plus, plus points. Zero for thirty nine because when this team gets behind, they can't play from behind. No, they can't score even when they're moving the ball quickly. It seems like they're still not moving the ball quickly. Everything's methodical. Everything takes time. They're not a come from behind team, and that's they're they're a front running team, and that's been yeah. a problem that's been evident the last three weeks. When they get behind, the other team can put their foot on the gas and, and win the game easily with the, especially now that the defense isn't getting stops and, and isn't playing anywhere near up to their level. Yeah. I, I don't know what it's going to take. Um, I don't know if it's going to take Anthony Lynn. I don't know if it's going to take somebody else in the coaching staff, but somebody has to go to Kyle Shanahan and be like, Hey Kyle, Elijah Mitchell is not the same player that he was in 2021. Yeah. We have the Jordan Mason the ball. Stop. 
we have got to stop putting him on the field. You cannot continue. I don't care what he did in 2021. I don't care what he did in 2022, which wasn't a lot. Stop putting him on the field. You are putting this team at a disadvantage. He is not the same player. He has not earned any playing time. None. Meanwhile, you got this other kid who runs like his hair's on fire and is averaging over four yards a carry. Let's get him some run. Let's get Jordan Mason on the field. If you're going to spell Christian McCaffrey, stop doing it with Elijah Mitchell. He's not it anymore. Move on. And I don't know. I, I'm not saying that you have to cut him, but at the same time, cut him. Bring someone up from the – I don't care, right? Mm-hmm. See what TDP has. But Elijah yeah, Mitchell don't is him. not it. It's not it. He's not it anymore. Stop using 20, him. 22 carries for 50 yards this year. In the last two weeks, Niners running backs have 16 carries for 44 yards and 17 carries for 56 yards. And the stat I was looking for in week eight was 1.1 yards before contact. So it's just nothing's working right. with the running game right now. And 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 that's the other thing. Kyle Shanahan has spent his entire career believing that outside of left tackle, you don't have to put many resources into the mm-hmm. offensive line. And it is showing itself to be a an absolute travesty right now. They are a sieve right now. And even if Trent Williams was out there, it's not it's not going to help that much. It might have helped against the Bengals because uh, Nick Wagner of, of ESPN put this out. Colton McKivitz actually had a really good game of pass protection. He had a pass rush win rate of 96.4%, which led the team. But Jalen Moore and Spencer Burford, who, by the way, Spencer Burford is absolutely pissing all over the legacy of that number 74 right now because he is awful. He's awful. And I don't understand why John Feliciano is not subbing in for him. This is Mm -hmm. not a player like Aaron Banks who played really, really well last year, so you're giving him a long leash. He's a player that played last year and that you continue to sub Daniel Brunskill in and out for. Like he didn't prove anything to you last year. And now it's just like, you know, Chris Furster said in camp, basically this job is Spencer Burford's to lose. Well, guess what? Mm -hmm. He's lost it. He's not good. He's not good. But now you can't plug Feliciano in because he has to plug in for Banks because Banks is injured. And it's just, it's, like what I just, it just feels like they're watching all of this happen and going, well, let's just try it again next week. Same thing, same guys, same whatever. And it's just like, you got to, you got to try something different, but this offensive line is awful this year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely awful. And they cannot run block to save their lives unless they're running behind Trent Williams. Well, guess what? If that's all that you're going to put on tape, Eventually, that's going to get stopped too. So, what are you going to do then? And is there an answer? I, I mean, at this point, you have to say no. The trade deadline. It, we're recording this Monday at uh, it's it's four o'clock now. The trade deadline is less than twenty four hours away. Um, I I know there are rumblings that the 49ers are are pushing for Jalen Johnson of the Bears and possibly Montez Sweat from the commanders, which both of those moves would be great, but that doesn't help you on the offensive line. And I mean, what, what's it going to take to get this running game going? Now, 
We've been here before, right? Five and three is only the second time in Kyle Shanahan's tenure in San Francisco that this 49ers team has been above 500 after eight games of the regular season. So this is the second best record after eight games that Kyle Shanahan has had as, as the head coach of the 49ers. Uh, the only one better being seven and one, uh, in, in 2019 when they went to the Super Bowl, So we've been here before. Yeah. And a lot of times they've, they've turned it around and you know, who's had a big game when they turned it around is Debo Samuel. And maybe it, maybe it takes Debo to get this running game back to where it needs to be again, just because of the gravity of who he is as a player and what he allows you to do and how multiple he allows you to be. And so I, 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 I hope that he's back for that Jaguars game after the bye. It sounds like that's the plan. But then the other question is, if your offense is that dependent upon one player or two players, if you want to include Christian McCaffrey, mm-hmm. you're placing your offensive success on the back of a player that tends to be hurt a lot in Debo Samuel. And I still think you, they've been moving the ball. They're not finishing. Yeah. They have the guys on the field. Now Debo makes a huge difference. We're not saying he doesn't, but they have enough. They sh- they're shooting themselves in the foot. Like they have got Kittle, Ayu, McCaffrey. They have yeah. enough guys where they should be doing better than they're doing. Well, and, and I, I tweeted it out during the game yesterday. It's like Kyle Shanahan, when he realizes, Oh, Hey, if I get George Kittle involved in the passing game, good things happen. Like, imagine that. Look at us. Imagine, you know, it was the, it was the Paul Rudd gif of, uh, who would have thought, thought we'd be here? Yeah. Who'd have yep. thought? And it's like, I, I just, sometimes I'm like, I don't, I don't understand Kyle Shanahan's process or pro- thought process at times. Now, again, if you're listening to this, are Al and I on here saying Kyle Shanahan is the problem and needs to be gone? Absolutely not. But he is not above criticism. Just like nobody on this team is above criticism. And in the end, 17 points a game over the last three games also isn't going to cut it on offense. So again, no. it's not just the defense. The offense has has some egg on their face as well. But that's not my biggest concern. My biggest concern, again, is on that defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and before, um, we have a lot to say about, about the defense. But before, I do want to give a shout out to Kittle. George Kittle passed Vernon Davis for the most receiving yards by a tight end in 49ers history. Kittle awesome. has 5,697. Davis had 5,640. He's 205 yards behind Billy Wilson for fifth all time in Niners receiving yards. Um, and he, Wilson's 5,902. So he should get that this year. Next up is Gene Washington, 6,654. And the great Dwight Clark, 6,750. Um, so probably next year for him. He's really got a chance to keep climbing up the ladder in 49ers franchise history, which, which is a cool mm. thing. He deserves it. All right. Defensively, Brian. I mean, there's so many numbers here to talk about. Right. You got Kyle Shanahan right. talking about Steve Wilkes in press conference like he's a disappointed parent, that he's got to talk to him about this and that. He's going to talk to him about maybe being on the field instead of Which, up by the, the way, is such a dumbass argument. Like, who gives it, a it shit is. if he's in the booth or on the field? It's who, not going to make a who difference. Who cares? And I don't want to hear either, like, well, like, I've seen, well, you know, Salah and, and uh, D'Amico Ryans were rah-rah guys. If you have dudes out there, you know what should make you a rah-rah guy? Making twenty million a year, you shouldn't need somebody to fucking get you pumped up. Like, give me a break. These are professionals. But I don't think it's that. I think it's the scheme that is mm-hmm. 
the issue right now. Mm-hmm. Now, I was listening to Richard Sherman talk. I think it was his podcast. Yeah. I just watched clips. Yeah. So I think it was his yep. show. Yeah. But he said what he thinks they need to do is they need to go back to what they do. And he talked about the Niners are playing man to man on first and second down. It's not working. They're yeah. running stunts instead of letting these guys just get right after the quarterback. It's not working. They're not getting to the quarterback. Just listen. Again, we have so many numbers that we're going to throw out on the show of just the absolute dog shit that this defense has been. But let me just start with this one. The last two weeks, terrific quarterbacks. I'm not saying they're not, but Kirk Cousins, 35 of 45, 378 yards and two touchdowns. Joe Burrow, who at one point completed 19 straight passes, 28 of 32, 283 yards, three TDs. That's a total, Brian, of 63 out of 77 in the last two weeks. 81.8% completion percentage, which is just, I mean, a defense allowing that is just absolutely atrocious. Um, that's, I can look at this really quick. Give me one second. That is the highest completion percentage ever allowed by a 49ers defense in a two game span ever. Insane. Um, 661 wow. yards, five touchdowns for those two quarterbacks, just making it look easy out there. There was one play where Tony Romo called it out on the, on the TV. It was a third and nine, third and 10 around midfield. And he's like, the whole left side of the defense is open. He's like, you know, Romo's like, they're going to go here, Jim. They're going to throw the ball here. They don't even throw the ball. He just called his own number and just ran fucking 10 yards for the first down. Just lost right now on defense. This defense has already allowed over 350 yards four times this season. Last season, they did that twice. They missed 13 tackles in this game. How yeah. can this? De- how can a team with Fred Warner and Funga and Greenlaw, I think Greenlaw's playing hurt. But still, yeah, can't tackle. They've had 32 missed tackles, 32 in the last three weeks. This defense has been absolutely atrocious. Joe Burrow, 37% of his throws were what would be considered open throws, which is a defender is not within three to five yards. Three to five yards, and yeah. It, and it was the same thing last week against the Vikings. Just everything they threw, it's like, oh, that guy's wide open. <laughs> There's nobody near him. They can't yeah. get home. And even when they do get pressure, quarterbacks just get rid of the ball and, and it's it's an easy completion. So it's not working schematically. They have the they have the the head talent there. You cannot tell me the talent yeah. is not there. It is. I don't think they're as good at defensive end as they thought they were going to be. And I've been saying that for months. There's an issue mm-hmm. at defensive end other than Bosa. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're as good there. But other than that, they had they are too good to be playing this shitty. Yeah, and that's the thing is is you know when you, when you start to break down what is the issue. Let's not forget that that the players have some some fault to wear as well, and and largely in the past two games that has been missed tackles. Uh, Nick Wagner from ESPN said that uh, and through the first five weeks when the Four Niners were five and zero, looked like the best team in the NFL, looked like the best defense in the NFL. Uh, they had given up an average of forty nine point four yards after contact per per game, which was second best in the league. The last three weeks, that number has jumped to 100.7 yards after contact per game. So twice as much, right? So so they are hitting players and players are are gaining twice as many yards over the last three weeks that they did through the first five. That 107 yards after contact per game is second worst in the league during that span. Uh, and it's awesome. an almost dead even split of those 100 yards after contact in the ground game and in the pass game. so Oh, I didn't even give not, my running stats. They suck yeah, too. Yeah, <laughs> but not only are they not problem. 
not only are they not tackling ball carriers, they're not tackling receivers once they catch the ball as well. And, and that to me was the biggest issue. Uh, the biggest issue yesterday because uh, Burroughs uh, time to pass uh, was 2.69 seconds, but uh, he was just willing to take the easy throws that the 49ers were giving him, which is theoretically that's, that's their bread and butter, right? That's what zone defense is. It's give them the ball in front of the sticks, rally and tackle, give them the ball in front of the sticks, rally and tackle. That's what zone defense is about. And this game, for whatever reason, like you said, uh, Richard Sherman pointed it out. They played man on 57.9% of Burrow's dropbacks and Burrow was 14 of 17 for 138 yards and three touchdowns. Wow. They don't have man coverage corners. They don't. Now, Mooney Ward was elite at man coverage when he was with Kansas City. He hasn't been that same player. And, and I would say largely that Mooney Ward is one of the guys that I've probably been most disappointed with this season and even maybe a little bit last season. Uh, the 49ers are paying him. Now, granted, not as much as other teams pay their top corner, but they're still paying him top corner money to be their shutdown corner. And he's, and he's not really living up to that right now. No. And I, I just, I feel like as much as Isaiah Oliver is incredible when it comes to tackling for a defensive back and he's a great blitzer, he allows almost hundred percent completion uh, in coverage. And so that's why out of 40 thrown yeah. his way this season, yeah. 87.5%. And, and Second that's why, the NFL. that's why I think it's important that they do go out and they, get someone like a Jalen Johnson who can come in, man the outside and push Lenore to the slot. It upgrades, it upgrades the slot. It upgrades your outside coverage. And then I think Jalen Johnson then becomes your one and Mooney Ward becomes a high level two. I think that's, I think that's Mooney Ward's best. Mm -hmm. You know, his, his best role is as a high, uh, you know, a high upside or, or, or a high level number two opposite a, a legitimate number one and Jalen Johnson has proven himself to be a legitimate number one uh, in the NFL with the bears. Now, can they, can they get that across the finish line before the trade deadline? I don't know, but the, the tackling is where, you know, the, the tackling is where the, the players have to own it. But like you said, I really do think it is scheme related. Steve Wilkes came into a, a very nice situation where he's like, you don't need to change anything, anything. Nothing. And he has, and he's tried to change a lot of things like coverage, which, you know, we talked about the difference between Wilkes and Ryan's and Sala being that Ryan's and Sala were linebackers linebacking. Well, Ryan's was a, a pro bowl linebacker and then a linebacker coach, but Sala was a linebacker coach and Wilkes was a secondary guy. And then we we're like, Hey, maybe bring in a secondary guy. You let Chris Kasurik worry about that defensive line. And now you got a guy that coaches up the secondary. Maybe the secondary could, you know, take a, a step up. Well, that has not happened in the slightest. And again, I don't I don't know if if Wilkes doesn't really know how to call his own defense. I don't know what the deal is, but regardless, Kyle Shanahan's gonna have to have a come to Jesus meeting with him. 
And honestly, like it, it feels like to me, uh, there's already been reports that, that Shanahan has spent more time in the defensive room mm-hmm. than he has in the past. Uh, because it's you know Wilkes is new and I just don't think that he he has the full trust in him like he did with Sala and Ryan's and I would imagine that he's going to spend even more time now and that's not ideal it's not ideal for Wilkes it's not ideal for for just you know tension in in the workplace if you will and then also that means he's spending less time on the offensive side of the ball which is where the the 49ers need him to be that's that's where you know, that's where he makes his bread and butter. So yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's a lot of things. Um, but you know, the biggest, the biggest to me is, is the scheme is not working. They are not the marriage between pass rush and coverage is nowhere to be found. Like it has been in years past with Sala and with Ryan's and that has to be fixed like right now, or this team isn't going to do anything uh let alone make it to the Super Bowl. Yeah, QBs the last two weeks, Cousins and Burrow have 144.4 passer rating when under pressure against the Niners. So it's definitely not not jiving like you thought it would. Here's what bothers me, I think, the most about all of this. Something is wrong and it's evident. The players are whether they're upset or whatever it is, you could just tell there's a disconnect on the field. The past couple, well, really the past three weeks, I think. The Cleveland game was 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 a physical game, but I feel the past against Minnesota and definitely against the Bengals, it's like the defense just doesn't have their edge at all. And we said going yeah. into this game, we talked about how the Bengals are going to be under center more and it's going to help their running game. Now, coming into this game, the Bengals were averaging, I think, 69.5 yards per game and 3.5 yards per carry on the ground. Against the 49ers this week, they ran 27 times for 134 yards. Joe Mixon, 16 for 87. Joe Burrow hit 43 yards on six carries. Mm-hmm. He had, I think, 12 yards coming in, 14 yards. Now, granted, he was hurt, but still, Burrow's not a guy that you expect to get 40, 50 yards on, on the ground. Joe Mixon was just trucking dudes, just, just running through people in this game. That is not the 49ers. Usually, the Niners come out and just set the tone. Like Dre Greenlaw comes out and body slams somebody. Fred Warner comes out like a rocket and just, for series, just kills a running back and you're just like oh man like did i you know they came to play i'm just not seeing that out of anybody on the defense they just look flat and you you see them talking after the game they're like you know bosa said last week well we're not used to this you know there's things we're doing that are different they don't have that same edge right now it's almost like they feel like i'm just you know i'm just guessing here i don't know this for sure but like we're going out on the field and we already know we're put we're put in a bad spot it's like they're playing like they know that already you know what i mean they just, they don't have the edge. They don't have that confidence. They don't have like the, we're going to come out here and set the tone. They're playing like something is wrong off the field. And then they get on there and it's just like, well, this isn't us. So I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if it's going to be a come to Jesus with Steve Wilkes. I don't know if it's going to be a firing of Steve Wilkes. Yeah. If things continue on this way, there's, I mean, he's one and done here at best. Certainly. certainly. He, he, he's not coming back next year if, if things continue like this. But something has to change. Kyle's got to tell him like, you know, we're going back to our bread and butter a little bit more. Um, whatever it is. I, I don't know, but it can, cannot continue as it's going because there's something wrong on and off the field right now. Well, and I, I, here's where, here's where I, I think the disconnect is. I, I think it, it stems from this. Steve Wilkes is not a rah-rah guy. And like you said, 
if this defense needs a rah-rah coach in order to get that fire, like that's a problem. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that this defense did indeed feed off of the fire that Sala and Ryan's had on the sideline. Does that mean I want Steve Wilkes to come down and try and fake that? Absolutely not. But I do think that it, in the end, it's a personality issue. And the one thing that you got to look at is this, and I, I'm, I'm not, I, I am not saying that there aren't, there aren't guys Steve Wilkes age that are just red asses because there mm-hmm. are, but you know, Steve Wilkes is significantly older than both D'Amico Ryan's and Robert Sala. And I wonder if there's a disconnect there when it comes to connecting with the players because Sala and Ryan's they're players coaches, right? They connected with their players. They, you know, they, they were, they were part of setting the tone when it came to the fire, the edge, the killer mentality, right? Um, I was listening to candlestick Chronicles with uh, Kyle Matson and Chris Biederman and Biederman pointed out that, when Sala and Ryan's were both here, part of the uh, the after the, or the next week film session, right, uh, was something that they called loafing, right, where they would put the film on, and if they mm-hmm. saw anybody that was not giving a hundred percent, they got called out in the meetings, in front of the entire defense, for loafing, right, for not for not putting in full effort. And I, I got to wonder if, if, you know, that's Wilkes isn't doing things like that. Wilkes isn't holding these guys accountable. And again, does, does, does Wilkes have to change who he is? No, but that's also what the interview process is about. If, if, if you, if you were the one Kyle Shanahan who interviewed Mm -hmm. Steve Wilkes and you thought it was important that he was going to be on the field and you thought it was important that these things were going to happen. And those weren't questions that you were asking or you asked those questions and you got answers that were different than what you wanted. And you still said, okay, but we'll still go with this guy. That's on you. Right. And, and one of the things that we've talked about that I think is an underrated aspect of, of why Kyle Shanahan is such a good coach is his eye for coaching talent. And it certainly seems like he may have swung and missed on this one, which could be the first time that we've seen that. Now, again, we're eight games in. Can Steve Wilkes make adjustments? I'm sure that he can. Will he make adjustments? I'm sure that he'll try. Will they be effective? We have no idea. But it certainly feels like this defense misses Robert Sala and misses D'Amico Ryans. But not only that, I think another underrated thing we don't talk about is just the drain of coaching talent from that side of the ball and just this team in general, right? Every time a, a coach gets a head coaching job, McDaniel in in Miami, Sala mm-hmm. in New York, and now Ryan's in, in Houston, they are taking coaches from the 49ers coaching staff with them. And a lot of the a lot of the I would say on the defensive side, Kasurik is probably the most important position coach and he has stayed. And even Johnny Holland, the linebackers coach, he has stayed. Mm-hmm. But you know there there's also something to be said there. And and here's the other thing. If you fire Steve Wilkes, who are you replacing him with? Yeah, that I have no idea. You didn't, that, you didn't be feel like, internal. and you didn't feel like anybody internal was ready for that job. Otherwise, you would yeah. have promoted them because that's what you did last time. You felt like Ryan's was ready and you promoted him. Obviously, you made this outside hire because you didn't feel like Daniel Bullock's or Johnny Holland or Chris Kasurik were either A, uh, 
ready to make that move to coordinator or be wanting to, right? Like, I don't think right. Chris Kasurik wants to be a defensive coordinator. I think he's perfectly content being the highest paid defensive line coach in the NFL. And I think that's what he's great at. And I think he should stick with that. But that's the other thing. I don't know that there is a solution to this Wilkes situation in season. So now it's like, well, what does that mean for the rest yeah, of the season? That's a little scary. Right? This is a Super I, Bowl or, or bust team because that's what you told us. That's what you sold us. That's what right. you guys said. Not us. You guys said that. And now I think you hit on something though. I don't know. That so I gotta push back a little bit or just to disagree with the notion that like I understand that Salah and Ryan's did that. And that's good. I think that's good to have that accountability. But this isn't a team of like a bunch of young defensive guys who are finding their way and not sure what to say. This is a team with Fred Warner and Nick Bosa mm -hmm. and Eric Armstead and even Javon Hargrave, who's new, but still mm -hmm. um, guys who have been here, guys who should be leaders, guys who should, if they do do see somebody dogging it, they should be able to police it on the players. I'm not saying they're not doing yeah. it. They may be. Yeah. But no, if, if they need a defensive coordinator who's going to hold them accountable because they can't hold themselves accountable, that's a gigantic problem. Now, I'm not saying that they... They think I'm not saying that's going on at all, right? But that's the way I'm kind of looking at it. There's a story about not that most of the people listening to the show are probably Yankees fans, but Derek Jeter was not a vocal leader. But there is a story, it was I forget which World Series it was because there's been so many of them. But um, it, oh. Bernie Williams, who again, <laughs> huge clutch performer, Bernie was phenomenal, but he mm -hmm. showed up late to, to a World Series game and Jeter just took him aside, him and Bernie didn't make you know a scene out of it and just was like you have somewhere more important to be you know what what the hell is going on type thing and like mm -hmm. that sort of thing and, and i'm sure the niners have guys who do that they have a yeah. lot of great players and, and warner seems like a very a leader but that's what i would hope is going on right now is that there's stuff going on amongst the players where they're saying look guys we got to figure this shit out it's the bye week let's get our heads together let's do what we have to do um, and if there are people that need to be held accountable, let's do that. I think sometimes that has to be done on a player level. And I'm again, sure that they are, but maybe mm -hmm. that's where, where they're headed right now. Well, and that, and Kyle Shanahan essentially said as much, uh, today, he basically said, you know what, we need to sit with this in the buy and maybe it's a good thing to be able to mm -hmm. sit with this so that we can come out against Jacksonville after the buy pissed off and ready to show that those three games are not who we are as a team. Those three games mm -hmm. are not who we are as a defense. Those three teams are not who Brock Purdy is. Three games are not who Brock Purdy is as a quarterback, right? Like sit with it, stew with it, own it, right? Be uncomfortable in your own shittiness, if you will. And, <laughs> and, you know, and, and then look each other in the eye and say, I'm not willing to accept this. You shouldn't be willing to accept this. What are we going to do about it? Cause I agree with you. I'm not saying that they they have to get rid of Steve Wilkes and bring somebody in who's going to hold these guys accountable because, like you said, this is a veteran-laden team. They should not need a coach to do it. Fred Warner is the the heart and soul of this team. You know, he's the guy that breaks down the huddle all the time. I I have to believe that Fred Warner is going to going to light some guys up, and I have yeah. to believe that Trent Williams is going to light some guys up, and I have to believe that Debo is going to light some guys up, and those are the guys that should be doing it. Right. Those are the guys that that say to the rest of the team, this is unacceptable. This is not who we are. This is not the the standard that we've set. And we need to get our ass in gear. And and I have faith that they will. 
I'm not, like I said, I don't think that the sky is falling. Like I said earlier, this is the best eight game start under Kyle Shanahan since the 2019 Super Bowl uh, season. So five and three is not the end. Now, the bigger issue is a, the Seahawks are in first place, which mm-hmm. sucks. And they just traded for Leonard Williams, which makes their defense better. And the Eagles only have one loss. So you also have to look at yourself and go, we fucked this up. We're not going to get home field advantage. We need to bust our ass to win every single game from here on out and hope against hope that the Eagles can, you know, can, can flounder a little bit, right? Their schedule gets really tough here moving forward. You know, they get they get the Seahawks twice in the next five weeks. That's a big, big, big uh, stretch for them. And this season is not lost by any means. It's not. It's not even. It's not even getting away from them right now. No, they were three no. and four through seven last year, and then won twelve in a row and made it all the way to the NFC Championship game. So right. again, none of this that we're talking about is us being like, well, it looks like this team sucks now. No, it's us saying we are viewing this team through the lens of can they win a Super Bowl? Because that is what the expectation was set at. And right now the answer is no. But does that mean that the answer can't be yes moving forward? It's always, always, always been a second half team. And the second half starts against Jacksonville. And that's where we got to see what this team is actually made of. Yeah, and the 49ers are actually 16 and 16 over their first eight games the last four seasons. Um, and I think they finished last year, they finished nine and zero after the first eight games, right? And the mm-hmm. season prior to that, they finished, I believe, seven and two. So again, you could be coming back off they fin- by. They, yeah, they finished 10 and 0. They were 13 and 4. Oh, it's 10 and 0. And then um yeah. and then it was seven and two the year before, or whatever it was. So they can come mm-hmm. back off the bye mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know lose one game or whatever it is and they can completely get the get yeah. it back together but we'll yeah. talk about it next next show we'll go over the trade deadline stuff and also the Niners next seven games at Jacksonville two against Seattle at the Eagles Baltimore so five of those next seven games are, are, are tough ones we'll, we'll talk Real. about that next yep. show and see how they did at the trade deadline maybe by the time everybody's listening to this show they made a move we'll see but we'll talk about it on Thursday when we are back here for Brian, I'm Al. Thanks, everybody. Later. Niners on three. One, two, three. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 